Welcome, everybody, to uh, another edition of our Lenten podcast over the book of Isaiah. Uh, Happy Good Friday to everybody. Um, And we do have in store for you Isaiah chapter 64 today, um, which is going to hit home with our theme on Good Friday as well. So really looking forward to our discussion today. Uh, As always, I'm, I'm Brian Belter here with you, and with me today are... Pastor Gimbel. And Isaac Conrad. So like I said, we're going to be uh, reading from Isaiah chapter 64, the first nine verses. And uh, we're going to go ahead and kick it off and start with Isaac starting us out here. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember you in your ways, behold, you you were angry and we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time, and shall be saved. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us, and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, you are our potter, we are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. All right, thank you, gentlemen. So there is a lot to unpack in this passage, um, but... I think we want to start out that uh, in verse one, you know what what is happening here? What what what's the message? You know that the that's being cried out. Well, I think for me, it's just that we are, or the the reader of this is just asking God to come down. I mean, so much so that it's like ripping apart the heavens and coming down. I mean, it's very violent and graphic language here. So it's not just him you know, dilly-dallying down here. It's this uh, serious nature that God's coming down, and he's coming down in a hurry, and specifically almost with a kind of judgment kind of context. Uh, so we get almost this God who comes down with the elements of punishment and uh, taking care of business in a way, right? So we get these images of, of fire and talking about this fire going against the adversaries, mountains quaking, and things like that right off the gate. Yeah, it's a very graphic description of the the, the power from which this uh, this that God is coming down. But but again, we, you know, you want to remember that there in the very first line, it's a request to come down. You know, it's saying, please, you know, come to us. And yet, the way that you're coming to us is through these powerful and mighty and kind of horrific scenes here. Yeah, and I think that's kind of contrary to what we typically think of an act 
at least in kind of church language. So a lot of times we talk about Christ coming to us and we talk about it with good things. Like as a cute little baby at Christmas, we talk about Christ coming to us. or The gentle uh, shepherd in, that will, will lead us and tend to us. Yeah, right. Those kind of images. So I, I honestly don't know how often we, we even talk this way in church. Lord, can you come down here and just kick some butt, basically? Right. That's, that's kind of what, what it's asking in this psalm. Well, we touched on that in one of our early, very early um, episodes of this reading of the book of Isaiah about, you know, God and, God and Christ specifically are not always going to be that gentle lamb that we so often portray them as. I mean, it is power, might, wrath, awe. I mean, all of that is encompassed in the, the personhood of God. Yeah, I think that was in our episode uh, where it's the throne room of God and you see all the angels. And we were talking about how nowadays people think of angels as like, oh, the cute little naked baby cherub or like just this like beautiful looking being. But no, they're like very powerful beings and God is the same way. We tend to try to put him in the box of being this grandfather um, that seems like old, but he's still very, very powerful. He's that old grandfather, but yet he's that grizzled World War II vet that did some crazy stuff going. <laughs> That's not a bad way to put it. I mean, right? You know, he's soft and approachable on the surface, but deep down, you know, there's 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 some waters rolling there. Yeah. That's that's not bad. I can definitely get behind that. God's got his war stories. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? You think about you go up to heaven, you're like, "Hey God, tell me some some stories about what it was like fighting those battles or, you know, and just like you said, sitting down with that that war veteran, just hearing them share their ways of how things went. I mean, there are certainly a lot of uh, stories in our Bible about, you know, God blessing people and saving people and all the great things that come. But, I mean, again, a lot of the, the Old Testament is taken up with battles and conquering and throwing people out of the land and consuming cities. I mean, that's that. <laughs> those are some pretty good stories if you want to sit down and hear war stories. Yeah, that's pretty much the entirety of Joshua. <laughs> Right. Here's the promised land. Let's go literally drive out every other nation so we can go in and settle there. So like Pastor Gimbel was uh, saying just a moment ago, there's a lot of illustration here about what the the coming down is going to look like. Uh, some of those definitely, you know, hit home, especially I like the imagery of, of the, the fire kindling the brushwood. You think of that, that that happens in an instant. And you've got all this dead wood, brush wood, easily ignitable, and at this at the simplest spark, it's going to go right up. And I think that that definitely you know speaks to humanity and the sinfulness that we live in, and that when the wrath of God and the power and the might of God comes down, that that's going to go up in a in a hurry. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, Jesus's own words. I think where he says like a. A branch that's not connected to the tree is thrown into the fire, right? And that's that's Jesus's reference to being an unbeliever too, you know, and talking through that illustration. And then we have right after that, fire causes water to boil. We always look at water as the as a cleansing and kind of saving thing, but yet this fire is going to come down and, and turn that water to a boil. It just always uh, it, it, yeah, that hit that hits home pretty hard too. Yeah, it's no longer just slowly evaporating off the top it's there's so much energy in that 
water that it can no longer hold itself in a liquid form. It just bursts into the gas bubbles, which is what you see in the boiling. Yeah, and we use that phrase today still too, you know, when we say, Oh, things are coming to a boil, you know, you know, it's coming to a head, it's 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 reaching its its zenith here in a hurry. So, you know, that's something that's gonna be it's going to be a, a big change, and it's going to change pretty quickly. Yeah, this passage still makes me nervous, though, because of the why, right? Why is why is God coming down in the first place? Like, verse 5, I... Oh, no. Yeah, verse 5 mentions one of our key words again, righteousness. Righteousness. <laughs> that's right, that's right. For those of you podcast listeners, I tried to incorporate that in the kind of capstone of the Lent series there. But um, it talks about the other reason for that in the end of verse 5. Behold, you are angry and we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time and shall we be saved? So that's the part that still has me all hesitant about this. And it's still kind of confusing, definitely on the surface even to me too, that the whole reason for God to come down and bring judgment is against our, our sins. Like he's coming down to to tackle and, and take care of us and all that junk we have going on in our life. So it's still very intimidating to me, even as I'm reading through this right now. Yeah, he comes down because we have sinned, and he's not just coming down. Again, in that verse 5 there, it says he, you were angry. So he's coming down in anger because of sin. Yeah, and, and we're still asking him to do that. That's what that's what just still perplexes me. Yeah, yeah, back to verse 1. I mean, it's a, again, come down, rend the heavens and come down. And our sins are so bad. I think that's one, one thing about Good Friday that we remember. And it makes it such a, a powerful day to think about is that we just see the gravity of our sins. Like we, we hear about Jesus, everything he went through, the suffering and his death. And especially the, you know, the death of Christ. And we kind of go through the, the experience of it thinking, yeah, that's really what we deserve because of our sins. And then hearing about how that's happening to somebody else and we're still living to tell the tale is always a pretty humbling thing. And you definitely get this coming through uh, in this passage. And just like the height of how serious our sins are in this passage is also pretty clear. Yeah, we go through the entire church here always remembering, you know, that we are sinners. Christ died for our sins. But then we always follow it up with, and Christ rose from the dead, and he was victorious over sin, death, and the devil. On Good Friday, we focus exclusively on our sin and that it's placed on Christ and the suffering that he went through for that. And we have to wait a few days before we hear that message of resurrection and redemption and, and the conquering over death. So at least in its fullness, right? I mean, right. we still we still bring it there as Lutherans and kind of import that in, but you know, properly speaking, our sins are still pretty bad. Yeah, but on Good Friday, all of our sins were placed on Jesus. And so since our sins have been placed on Jesus, we can have that confidence to ask God to come down because we know that through Christ, even as terrible as our sins are, they've been forgiven. And so we aren't going to be destroyed by God's wrath. I do like yeah. to the end of verse five there. Um, it does, to me, kind of echo that feeling I have walking out of service on Good Friday when, you know, speaking of the great gravity of our sins and the last line is, and shall we be saved? You know, you walk out with that feeling of, wow, 
I am a horrible, sinful human being, and I just laid all of this on one man, and shall I still be saved? It's just that question that kind of lingers in your in your heart, even though, you know, as a, as a good Christian, a good Lutheran, I know the answer to that, but it still just puts that heaviness on you that, man, I did this to that, to that, to Christ. Yeah, and our sins are pretty bad. Like, this, this is probably one of the clearest verses in scriptures that talks about how bad our sins are. Verse 6 says, we all have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. So this says, like, even those things that we sometimes feel like we can pat ourselves on the back for, those ones that we might think of as being righteous, like, even for you, Brian and Isaac, oh yeah, you might be doing well doing this, volunteering some time for the church for the podcast. Well, guess what? Even in God's eyes, this good thing we're doing and all your volunteer time is like a polluted garment. It's worth nothing. I mean, these garments are so bad, too, that even though the textual note says these were the claws that were used for a women's menstrual period. So, like, they're literally bloody, disgusting claws. And that's our best stuff that we have to offer is just absolutely filthy. So you're saying that, that what I'm what Isaac and I are doing here is, is, is not worth anything? That really hurts. Yeah, it's like worse than a tampon <laughs> if you want to get gross with it, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it it is kind of amazing that you know you, you think that okay, I'm putting on my Sunday bests, and yet my Sunday bests are just these dirty, filthy rags in the eyes of God. Yeah, it stinks. It's trash. It's garbage. Whatever whatever word you want, it's it's nothing. Even you know, I've even heard this said one time. You know, even like our repentance, we come to church and we say we're sorry for our sins. Even like that act is absolutely filthy in the eyes of God. Like. Nothing. There, there's nothing we can bring to Christ's cross. And it only has value because of Christ's cross. Right. Yeah, that's how yeah. it gets value. And th- yeah, that's what redemption is. So many times people do things to try and like, oh, well, I've been such a terrible person. At least I can do this. No, you're a terrible person. Even doing that isn't going to change that fact. What changes the fact, that fact is that Christ died on the cross, and he took those sins. And nothing that you can do can make up for your sins. Only what Christ did can make up for those sins. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the, I don't know, it's still just this this powerful dynamic in this, this passage, that our sins are so bad, and we're still asking God to come down and cast out his judgment upon sins, even fully knowing that ours are so bad. Yeah, kind of echoing what you were saying, Pastor, about, you know, even us coming and asking forgiveness and admitting our sin. We, you know, we see that again in verse 7 there. No one who calls upon your name, no one rouses himself to take hold of you. There, I mean, there's no way that through our own actions, our own thoughts, our own desires, that we could possibly come to Christ, come to God on our own. I mean, it just can't happen. Yeah. So are you feeling good about yourselves, listeners? That's <laughs> <laughs> the, the weight of the law for sure. But, well, but the, there's, gospel there's, has, the gospel has doesn't have the same poignancy unless the law is there. I mean, isn't that always what we what we espouse? Is that yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't have the full message of the gospel without the law first. Like, if you don't believe that you really need to be saved, then Jesus died for nothing. Like, if you think you can get through this life on your own and clean up your act and do something worthy of God to save you, then, yeah, you don't you don't need Jesus effectively. 
Yeah, do that's your, that's do your what you're saying. Quote unquote, own good works, and, and see how far that gets you. Right, right. But here in this passage, we do get some some hope for the future too. Neat little little glimpses of that in verses eight and nine. You, O Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our Potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look. We are all your people. Little, so I think that's where those two back intersect. To and there meet. too, isn't it? Yeah, how so? Well, you know, he is the potter and we are the clay. I mean, we, we came from the dust and we'll return to the dust, but yet he formed us and breathed life and spirit into us. So, you know, it harkens back to the, the creation of mankind right there at the beginning. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of these Isaiah passages have done that. Just make these uh, subtle allusions or references back to the Pentateuch in the first five books of the Bible. We're we're looking like what three of the last five or something like that have had these allusions back to that. Yeah, too bad Pastor Meyer's not here to to geek out on his uh, love of Genesis on the on this little bit of the passage here. <laughs> well, this is this is all about it though. I mean, this one you know, put out it up like a softball on a tee. It did. Well, that's how he likes yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's yeah, not here he so we can talk. Set about it up like to that. go off. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, first time I read this again in preparation for this, it made me think of that beloved hymn by many. I don't believe it's in our hymnals, actually, but it's still kind of a treasured one. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. That's the the posture that's there, right? To know that God is there in a hands-on way in our life, shaping us and forming us regardless of everything that is happening to us. It's a pretty cool and comforting thing. A pretty cool and comforting thing. Yeah, Isaac, I know you had some interesting comments on the potter and his clay. Do you want to share some of those with us? Oh, yeah. So, and it also ties back in with that uh, reference to Genesis too, like where it's from dust you are into dust you shall return we're just the clay or the dust we by ourselves are nothing and that even ties back into the uh, polluted garments on our own what we can try and do is worthless but it's only god working through us that allows us to actually do good yeah, no yeah. matter how you know unformed and untidy that little lump of clay looks through the the power of God, you know, he shapes it to what he wills. Yeah, and it's all it's all on God, right? And the, the plea in verse 9, remember not your iniquity forever. So we know that we're bad. We know our sins are awful. And we're just pleading with God to not remember how bad those things are for us. That's that's the gospel message there. That even though even though we stink, we're, we're terrible sinners, God doesn't re- remember that. Why? Because we're his people. We are all his people. I like that, too. Well, yeah, there's a lot you could say just on that passage. Behold, please look, we are all your people. I think Moses kind of takes this angle in Exodus, uh, Leviticus, and Numbers there. Sometimes God just gets so angry with, with his people because they just do something stupid in the wilderness. And then you see Moses walk up to God and says, Hey, look, are we not your chosen people? Remember the covenant you made to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob? Do you really want to cast out your judgment on us? So he does kind of play the my people card sometimes. I do too like how these nine verses are framed. Uh, It starts out with a plea, you know, asking 
God to come down. But then immediately the realization sinks in that God comes down. He's going to be angry for all this sin and iniquity in the world. And then in verse 9, again, it ends with a plea. I know you're angry, but please have your anger subside. And, and please you know, remember that we are all still your people. Yeah, that's a great dynamic. I didn't see that before, so that's that's really powerful. Well, I think that that was a, a fantastic podcast, if I could say so myself, especially on this uh, on this Good Friday. Um, definitely a lot of relatable themes to the the sin and the and actually, you know, the the, the weight that that Christ took on for us that we we can see definitely here in this sixty fourth chapter of Isaiah. Uh, very appropriate know, for my, today. <laughs> my opinion, it's not that great of a podcast. It's more like a filthy rag. Yeah, that's that true, Isaac. Thank, thank, you, thank you, Isaac, for bringing, bringing me back down to earth. I, thank you. This podcast so is a filthy, filthy broadcast. That's our episode yes. title. We're going to call this the Filthy Rag Podcast. <sighs> well. We already have the cockatrice den. We do. I'm sitting in it right now. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Pastor, anything that you want to uh, let the folks out there and and listener land know about uh, this weekend coming up? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we hope you're able to join us for worship today, a live streaming on the Tre Ore. Uh, as you know, hopefully, that we've got some special guest preachers lined up from area pastors in our circuit, and our field workers also able to take part in that. Uh, so it's from noon to three, uh, and if you don't catch it live on Good Friday, it'll be up for replay not long afterwards as well. And we always uh, hope that you take the chance to join us on Easter uh, we're live streaming our 8 a.m. Easter service as well. We've got a got a trumpeter lined up. Uh, good old music director Greg Sissel is going to be playing for us. We'll be singing some, I'd say, my favorite Easter hymns. Uh, don't have as many opportunity to sing hymns at this Easter service, but I'm picking about the most Eastery of Easter hymns for this this service coming up on Sunday. So it should be fun. Uh, still be a little. Uh, a little bittersweet not being able to be gathered with everybody, but it'll be good. And then we'll hopefully like to continue on uh, rolling into the week after Easter. We're still doing our devos on the 8th with Pastor Meyer. And uh, we're going to have a new opportunity coming on next week, Wednesday, uh, kind of keep the momentum going with stuff here at Holy Cross. We hope you take the chance to join us. And don't forget, we do have one more podcast episode coming up after Easter. I know we uh, titled this a Lenten podcast, but... Uh, next Tuesday, we will be dropping our final episode on the Book of Isaiah. So please uh, tune in to to hear our our wrap up on this uh, wonderful book. Yeah, it's a great passage, very fitting for Easter. Well, with that, uh, as always, I'd like to end in a a word of prayer. So, if uh, everyone could please join me and please pray, Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you once again for this opportunity to come together and study your Word and to share that with our congregation and all those listening today. We see in these verses that we are like wearing a polluted garment. No matter how hard we try, the sins and iniquities of our lives and our thoughts cannot be sanctified and holy without you. You are that potter, and we are that lump of clay that needs to be shaped and formed to your will. And please, please continue to do that in our lives as we move forward in this Easter season and through the rest of our lives. Lord God, thank you for the blessings that you've bestowed upon all your people and help us to get through, once again, this pandemic that we are all suffering and that when we do come back together, that it is the time to glorify you and 
to renew our relationships with one another. I ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. And as always, all readings from Scripture do come from the English Standard Version of the Bible. Thank you for joining us. See you next time.